0: Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's the 9th of February, 2020, and it is time on this hump day for Morning Combat. That was really awful the way I did that and pretty gross. Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital, Los Estados Unidos, right here in Washington, D.C., joined as always by the Viceroy, the Prince until Glover Teixeira loses the title of Connecticut. My friend and yours, it's Brian Campbell. Hello, Brian Campbell. Luke,
1: welcome back to MK. Uh, This is my favorite place to be. I love it. Look, should we? I'm like, how many more seconds on this show should we waste before we announce that, you know, Bengals starting quarterback Joe Burrow, probably the coolest guy ever? Follows us on Instagram. I mean, that's not that's not that's not a bad development, right?
0: That's a pretty great development. The question is, do we DM him and say, "Give us sixty seconds of an interview if you win the Super Bowl." But then, if you do that, <laughs> a he won't do it, and b he'd be like, "If you lose, we don't give a fuck anyway."
1: See, know? I was thinking differently. I was like, "Okay, how do I work him into Celebrity
0: Wheel of Death?" All right, you know, how, how do I make that happen? You know, is there a fee <laughs> involved? <You> know? Yeah. <laughs> Are yeah. you so so th- so okay? We have talked about this before. Before you were kind of like you didn't care about. Cronky being a horrible owner in sports because you wanted to make some stupid american point about european soccer yeah let's back, let's back, yes let's, let's yes. back up a step because that's because that's what men do luke okay come on that's man. what that's what that's what cucks do but it's okay here <laughs> answer the riddle me this now that joe burrow follows us on mk you got to be rooting for the Bengals on sunday right oh hell yeah, yeah. hell yeah that's what i'm talking about Icky woods boomer
1: esiason okay yeah yeah come on let's do this all right, right?
0: all right very very I mean very, I didn't uh, give
1: a shit until this Luke but now yeah <laughs> yeah right
0: all right listen whatever it takes whatever it takes uh as always if you're watching this on YouTube as most of you probably are thumbs up on the video hit subscribe if you're listening on a podcast platform please give us a nice review and a nice like whatever you may do for us in a, for a positive way for us on that podcast platform uh, by the way we skipped this last time BCR. or maybe I did I don't remember I think you did it on Friday Folks should head over to the Sports Podcast Awards, go to sportspodcastawards.com, that's awards plural, and vote for old MK as the best combat sports podcast. Now, I know we were in the leaderboard situation before, BC. Do you know what the situation is as we speak?
1: No, uh, I have stopped checking it because I want to be surprised either way, but... It's tough competitors, Luke. You're talking about Ariel Hawani of the MMA hour. You're talking about Chris Jericho. You're talking about some European boxing pods that get a lot of views in the UK. Uh this is a fight, Luke. But the thing about MK is, you know, we may have no business getting up from that body shot, but we well, we will. We might we might we might just go wire to wire and take this one too, Luke.
0: In ter- let me ask you that. So we like you could say that in terms of like a head punch, what's the most miraculous thing you've ever seen someone do in terms of getting up? Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder might fit that bill. That was one of the more miraculous things I've ever seen. What's the most impressive like dude got drilled with a body shot, got dropped, but then got up and fucking just performed?
1: Who, it, who you, it just so here? happens that I love this category, Luke, and love this exact moment which can happen in boxing. The most extreme I've ever seen it was Arturo Gotti in the first Mickey Ward fight. Mm-hmm. I believe it was round nine, which is the greatest round in my opinion in boxing history in which uh, Gotti went and now uh, you have to understand Mickey Ward was a left hook fight finishing specialist. like he was that guy, journeyman action guy who sometimes could win fights. he was losing badly by finding that liver with one shot. He catches uh, Arturo Gotti with with a fucking home run shot Luke. And Gotti not only gets up, right, but he's just wearing on his face how much that freaking hurt him. Like, I mean, he's just like, like, you're like, this guy's no business standing or functioning right now. And then he goes on in that round to rally and turn the tables on an exhausted ward. So that's legendary stuff. But Luke, 2013, you remember Darren Barker from the UK when he won Uh, a middleweight world title against Daniel Geel? Oh, I remember
0: Daniel Geel, yes
1: just days after Barker's brother had died uh, young and tragically, Barker gets dropped in Atlantic city uh, in the midpoint of that fight by a, I mean, a killer body shot by Gil. and Barker would later say, as he's there on the canvas dying, you know, in pain to the body that the ghost of his brother appeared and was like, get up in his, you know, in his mind. And he got the hell up and won that fight. And, you wow. know, it's one of those like, you don't get you don't hear people talk about it a lot but it was one of those like holy shit you know it's yeah. kind of big moments where you're just like damn
0: yeah that's so like I'd when that's that. like when the average old soccer mom sees her kid trapped under a car and then out of nowhere she just has fucking he-man strength that can yes. pull up the car and get him it's like that
1: it's like it, that's probably explains jorge masvidal's 2019 luke
0: it might it might uh we have Somehow a lot to he's just to
1: that for a whole year though
0: <laughs> but you know <laughs> Uh, but he was possessed, certainly. We have a lot to get to today, including storylines for UFC 271 in grand and full detail. We'll talk about some uh, storylines, not just from the main and the co-main event. We have some Amanda Nunes news to get to, some true false, some over-under, some fan subs. So no time like the present. want to remind folks, if you haven't tried Showtime, I don't know what you're waiting for, but you can still do it. Showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. It's not just live TV. That's everything on the app. If you like it, keep it. If not, go do something else with your life. You can email the show for Friday's Dead Wrong. I'm sure we have plenty of those lined up. MorningCombat at gmail.com will be the email for that. Shoot us anything. And, of course, for today's fan subs, although it's a bit late to get them in for today, but we can get them in for next week. And uh, what else, BC? Oh, merch, MorningCombat.store. Do we have I, – I see you're wearing old merch with the hoodie, but new merch with the hat. Bit of a mixed message, no?
1: I mean, that's, that's, that represents the fact that I can somehow stay so hip to today's culture but also be stuck <laughs> in the 90s, Luke. I'm a walking – contradiction all right
0: all right fair enough but if you want to get some gear morningcombat.store I'm sure as the year progresses we'll have some new stuff uh okay BC with that out of the way I'm ready to get the show started so let's get going topic number one we talked about the major storyline that we were following for the main event this weekend which is just about as good of a main event as you're going to get especially for rematch considerations Israel Adesanya taking on Robert Whitaker the one we have paid attention to before I don't want to revisit Let me start here, though, because I saw this bubble up in the social media conversation and I found it a little bit insane, but it is worth talking about because I guess everybody else is. There is at least some kind of a movement. I won't say that it's the predominant amount, but there does appear a little bit of noise that people wish to replace Anderson Silva's greatest of all time status in the middleweight division with Israel Adesanya, given that he is the current champion and, of course, has done really well for himself. Do you think that that is a fair thing to do or not?
1: I don't think it's a fair thing to do when you You, end up comparing them against each other. And and this just happened to happen in our CBS Sports Slack message group, uh, you know, with our writers and editors in the past few weeks where someone offered the same idea, like, you know, that Adesanya might actually be close. And then uh, our own Brent Brookhouse went on a run of showing point by point about why He's not even freaking close at all. But Luke, overall, we got a problem with... The problem with me saying that there's a problem is that I'm people like me are a major part of this problem. We're out of control on on calling people goats, uh, next in line, you know, all this stuff. And it fills great podcast debate time, and I love it. I get high off that catnip, right, of being like, oh, crap, you know, that's a bunch of title defenses in a row. Good God, how close is he to knocking on old Uncle Andy's door? But Um, I wanted to do that with Woodley up the chains against GSP. People are already doing that with Usman. Uh, you know, Amanda Nunes is the GOAT, but if she loses that person now automatically the GOAT, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. It's gotten out of control. Luke, it, they were cute brown, like mogwais to begin with. And I'm, and I loved it, but we fed that shit after midnight, bro. And, uh, and these gremlins are out of control. Did, Did anything I just say make sense?
0: Yeah, but I guess this is the thing I'm trying to figure out. I, I'm in agreement with you, right? So, which is to say the following, in short. I don't know if anybody likes Israel Adesanya more than me, except for his parents. Like, I have been a believer in him from his first fight in the UFC on, including against everyone saying he was overrated and blah, 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 blah. blah. I've been like, the none of that has changed. I still have an extremely high opinion. Of Israel Adesanya and I have to cop to the fact that people have asked me like what's a big thing you've ever been wrong about I was one of those fucking dumbasses early into the run of Anderson Silva in the UFC being like well you you just wait till Dan Henderson and Matt Lindland get here and they're gonna show you what's up and of course he never fought Lindland, but that would have been a massacre and he did fight Henderson and he fucking submitted him pretty quickly like I was totally wrong about Anderson Silva I was slow to take up to him in certain ways so putting that in context the idea that what Adesanya has done which is Incredible. I mean, he is a phenomenal champion. It's not really all that close to what Anderson did. I'm sorry. It's just not. So, this is my question to you, BC. I don't even think this is very debatable. Anderson's record at middleweight, to, I mean, let's be clear, Israel's on a great run and certainly seems poised to do great things. Maybe we'll overtake him. You certainly couldn't rule it out. But I guess what I'm wondering is, BC, Where did this even start? I don't just mean oh, some corner of the internet, some idiot did it. But I guess what I'm saying is, don't you feel like in you're the boxing guy, right? Here's my question: Don't you feel like in MMA we don't honor our history, even recent history, nearly as well as we do in boxing?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we're ridiculously quick, as I just mentioned, to jump all over who's next and all this stuff, declaring everything. Uh, It's like it in general for that whole rant I went on about the Gremlins where it's, you know, fun podcast filler and then it just becomes regular speak and then suddenly it overtakes. But the reason why that happens in this case and in a lot of the cases is fair. Adesanya is an all-time great, Luke. Like, he hasn't finished authoring his story, but ability-wise, yes, he's a freaking all-timer, unique, special freak of a talent like Anderson Silva was. Maybe not as extreme or, or as advanced in some of the categories that we're comparing him on but you know he's got a chance to, at the end of the conversation to be up there with those all time greats and when someone's ability level is screaming that so loudly you get you uh, you get you get drunk on that wine Luke okay you know suddenly you get a little handsy by the end of the night you're like you know your wedding rings off I mean I get you can get Luke and then you're teaching you're teaching
0: English it. in France
1: yeah exactly <laughs> Shout out to David A. Wow, that when they put that guy away, Luke, wow. Unfortunately, they'll have all this footage of it. You know, they'll just yeah,
0: you know, wow. Um, okay, but h- why is boxing better about honoring history? Why? Because boxing is stuck in the
1: history. Boxing, to be mm-hmm. a boxing fan today, to be really fair, and boxing's great. This past year was great. Boxing can be great, but to survive in the ups and downs of the politics in boxing and the ridiculousness of disorganization, you have to be stuck in the past. You have to be loving reliving fights or debating in the barbershops or podcasts, you know, about is this guy comparable to that guy? But in the end, Luke, boxing is the only sport that has aged in reverse. It really is where we look back on the legends and go, unless there's a ridiculous size gap, unless you're trying to, you know, match make in your mind, Tyson Fury versus Rocky Marciano, where you're like, okay, he's like a foot taller than him. Um, the guys from the past are considered better than today. Like the sports aged in reverse because people aren't as uh, diehard about, you know, coming up and training it mm-hmm. at the younger ages. So um, that's why boxing is just sort of um, trying to just keep the past as for relevance today. But I guess I have to flip that back at you why is this new fan base of this new sport MMA just so aggressively waiting for what's next is it the feeling that the that the sport is evolving so fast that the guys in the past wouldn't wouldn't be able to keep up in a reverse boxing type deal
0: there's a lot of theories about it like you know to what extent has the UFC they're they're much better now about honoring their history but historically that has been a weak point for them especially because a lot of the bigger stars like For example, Couture sued him, and then they have this really awful relationship. And So there's partly that. like We don't want to even associate with him because uh, of how things ultimately turned out. But here's the bigger one for me that I just can't get past. Again, I don't know if this explains all of it, but this is just kind of where I, I keep noticing it. To me, if you were a reasonably sober observer of the career of Anderson Silva and that run he had in the UFC and then you watch Adesanya, again, you're going to come away being like, damn, these two fucking guys are unbelievable. But it's just pretty obvious that Adesanya hasn't done enough yet to get to that level. So what I'm saying is, if you watched both, I don't know how you could come to that conclusion. What we know about MMA fandom is that it has extremely high turnover. Some people last a long time, but a lot of people, they have this intense passion for it, and then they kind of get out of it either through age or other things or what have you. I just think you have a lot of new fans. You have a lot of new fans who can look at what uh, Silva did on YouTube or Fight Pass or look at his record on Wikipedia, and they certainly might have a reverence for it, but they don't really get what he did in real time. I think if you watched it in real time, answering this question becomes a lot easier. And so with this turnover that we keep having in MMA, remember boxing fans just kind of hang on and hang on and hang on, but MMA has this real infusion of new faces all the time, and especially through fandom. I just don't think they're super aware of it. Uh, I, think I think it's a great point them to make some improper calculations.
1: Yeah. And it's a great point. And, and also the point you mentioned about the UFC's reluctance to honor its package, or its, its history today through like video packages and stuff. I mean, that speaks loudly, Luke, because these news fans aren't being educated in a like embracingly loving way, because obviously of the divide of Zufa buying the company at that point and everything, you know Dana and Lorenzo made after that it, it, they just look at as as their own baby but like did you see that black history month thing that ran on the commercial uh, at the last uh, card where they showed Marie Smith you know winning the heavyweight yes. championship becoming mm-hmm. the first African American it's a great moment and i and i freaked out at first seeing it like because UFC never does that they never right. uh you know the the SEG or Myrowitz and uh in in art uh Dave's era they don't they don't ever they really don't, Luke. They they really don't ever, and compared to any other sport, they're like delinquent about it. So I guess that that has to play a major role.
0: I think it does play a role. Let's talk about the fight itself, BC. Now, you spoke to Robert Whitaker. I want to get two of these clips here going in just a second, but let me ask you a question first. How did you evaluate him? when you When you talked to him and after it was over and you had a sense about where he's at, did you get the sense that he's in the kind of place to put himself in a winning position?
1: Absolutely. That's the number. That's the biggest takeaway by far because, Luke, you know, my strategy in trying to get a guy like that with that personality in this specific moment of his career to like sh- open up and lower his guard. Like, obviously, it's not exactly apples and oranges comparison to a fight of how Robert Whitaker fields my questions compared to how he's going to field the striking prowess of, of Adesanya. But, Luke, with that said, he was in control of of where he's at mentally in such a purposeful prepared way because of the lessons he learned from the the promotional build to their first meeting which is something he's going to talk about and it was it was overwhelming how how much he seemed to have that uh mindfully under control in a way that that uh, you know he's going to have to prove in the case but in a way that I think would only support him uh, entering this one
0: let's play the clip this is robert whitaker describing for him what went wrong the first time he fought Adesanya.
1: Well, you're refurbished in so many ways, and and I give you a lot of credit for that. So, how much are you carrying, like revenge, retribution, as sort of your motivating factor? You're you're normally so, you know, poised. To, to be fair, I mean, you you've got that championship medal, but but this one's got to be different, man. You got to have that extra
3: chip on your shoulder to want to avenge this loss to this man. No, and you see that's I think that's the, the biggest change is that there isn't there isn't a chip. There isn't any of that that revenge sort of drive. I'm just it's just another day in the office. I'm I have the same mentality, it feels the exact same as the last three fights and uh yeah, I'm I'm going in there just to to get my work done.
1: Okay, so then what was your mindset the first fight? Were you like, I'm gonna I'm gonna show this kid, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach him a lesson?
3: Yeah, that, that that's exactly how it was, it was much the yeah that's how it was. It was, I was it was it was personal it was um, it was about yeah it, it just it got too much it um, you know it started to consume me the fight started consuming me the the media started to get to me and and everything just started building
0: up it's so interesting that you know, he says that this way BC it's a great interview and by the way here's what I would ask you on top of this now in the end it might be a wash. But I would argue, see if you agree, the fight not being in Australia, not being in New Zealand, not being in front of his countrymen, I'm sure some will travel or whatever if they can, but it's in Houston. It's fairly neutral territory. That might benefit Adesanya to some degree. I definitely think it's gonna benefit Robert Whitaker.
1: I think that's a great point because it's something I hadn't really factored in into the, I don't wanna say excuse making, because no one's making excuses for that Whitaker loss, but to just try to understand why it happened, we certainly always point out how how high and hard he had been running physically and mentally and the fatigue that he carried from that and the injuries and the you know canceled fight with Gastelum and and just trying to get his just forcing himself back out there to to you know to keep the train moving and maybe that goes back to the crazy 10 rounds against Romero and and what that damage did but i didn't factor enough of what he just said luke that he was so out of whack mentally it wasn't just exhaustion that he he allowed himself to get caught up in the monoe mano part of this which if you look at Whitaker's history, at least once he got once he moved up in weight and got to this elite level, he's been rock solid in all of those categories you know mental toughness just every the way he carries himself everything. so um it is interesting I don't I don't think I looked back on that first fight and thought maybe that was the main reason.
0: Fair enough. We have one more clip here I want to play. Actually, no. before we get to that, let me add one more note. Here's why, to me, it's like this fight's going to be so different. It's like Whitaker's not just talented in some kind of general sense. He is a very clever, smart, thoughtful fighter. You saw him take his time very patiently, for example, in the rebound fight against Darren Till. We talked about it before. He was just executing against Cannoneer, but Cannoneer kind of rallied a little bit late, and he had to figure out a way to do it. And then you know, just sort of keeping a pace and really just outclassing Kelvin Gastelum. All of these performances, and you can go before that as well, but certainly those since the loss all indicate what we already knew. High ability, high functioning, not a, in those cases, doesn't make hardly any mistakes. And I thought he made a bunch of mistakes in the fight with Adesanya, which tells you, A, Adesanya's a great fighter, but also that Whitaker, he was just uncharacteristically hurried and aggressive and, like, he was he was Derek Brunsoning himself, the old version of Derek Brunson, and that's why it's like, dude, I don't think he's going to do that again. That doesn't mean he'll win necessarily, but by itself, uh, that was a big tell. Now, Whitaker, Sorry, look, also, that
1: that People's Bank commercial that somebody had played through their laptop into our into our uh, I didn't into hear our stream, it. I didn't get to hear the last twenty or thirty seconds of you, but I think I go, I know where you're going with
0: this. Fair enough. Well, either way, it doesn't matter. But let's go to the next clip. Whitaker also talked about. The changes since Israel Adesanya, both of them are not the same fighters they were the first time around. What does Whitaker see differently in his opponent? This is what he told Brian.
1: You look at this fight. I see the ways that you have improved or evolved in your win streak since the first Adesanya fight. Do you think he has added enough through wins and losses in that same time?
3: To, to keep up with me and my skill set? Yeah, I mean, you, you've evolved I, I, pretty quick, man. I don't think – I think my skill sets uh, are much more diverse than his, and I think I'm a better fighter. I um, I do. I honestly do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be fighting him uh, if, if I didn't have that confidence and belief that I can beat him. And, uh, yeah, you know, I look to showcase that on, on the weekend.
1: He's a badass, Luke. That's what I love. That's part of what I love about – this incredibly great fight is is I love both the the characters of both their personalities, the way they project themselves. They're they're mu- obviously you know drastically different, drastically different. But um, I, I love both these guys, man. I re- and I really think we're on you're on your way to seeing both of these guys turn into all time greats when it's all said and done. So this is a so, special moment because of that.
0: Let's follow up on uh, Adesanya here for a little bit. He told ESPN's Brett Okamoto that he was actually kind of bored. With the last year, I guess he was pretty high beating Apollo Costa. I don't know if it was 2020 or 2021 at this point, but in terms of the Marvin Vittori fight, he even said he was halfway through just kind of bored with it all. Now, I do think he trained hard, but anything to that in your mind facing Whitaker again, I realize Whitaker is the apex predator of all the contenders that we are aware of. So your motivation should be different. But given that revelation, what do you make of that as it pertains to Saturday?
1: I look at that more as just cocky swagger and basically saying without saying, but also kind of saying that, you know, he didn't think guys like Vittori or even Costa had a chance of beating him, obviously prepared and trained hard and were, you know, knew what they were going to bring to the table, but it didn't motivate him on the same level that obviously a Whitaker does. And he knows how good Whitaker really is and can be, and will probably be different from the first fight, given all of those circumstances we mentioned. So um, I don't read too deeply into that, but I got to kind of take the whole narrative of this and point it back at you, Luke, because you understand Adesanya's game almost as well as anyone else. Has he evolved as much as Whitaker has since their first fight? Or if he hasn't, does it even matter in the end?
0: I don't think he has retooled the same way that Whitaker has. Whitaker kind of hit the reset button and then began to rebuild his game in a more concerted, thoughtful, layered kind of way. Not from scratch per se, but it was a real reordering of things. He stuck to what he was good at, but he brought in all these other elements, which he was also good at, but kind of neglecting. And that takes time to really weave that in in an accessible way, uh, minute to minute in a fight. For Adesanya, though, it would people just like to imagine he hasn't, He's not as good as he is, or he hasn't gotten better. Do I think his striking really changed between the first fight and this one? No. I mean, he's going to be you know more or less as good as he's always going to be with that. But I do think that in his defensive wrestling, which I've talked about at length, against the fence, it's lights out. Out in the open, it's a little bit more doable. But even then, at against middleweight uh, wrestlers and grapplers, you saw that in the Vittori fight, for example. Everyone thinks, oh, if you get to get him down, you can just lay on him. Well, if you're 205, 230 pounds, whatever on fight night, Jan Blachowicz is maybe you can get away with that. But if you're not that big, it's actually going to be pretty hard. And Vittori's a big fucking guy, a huge guy, and he couldn't get it done either. So what I think is, do I think the things that were strong about him changed? No. Do I think his weaknesses got less weak? I absolutely think that. And folks are going to be, yeah. you know, I don't know who's going to win, but I definitely think you're going to see evidence of progress. How about that on both sides?
1: Yeah. And it's still the same great matchup of why the styles you know, clash so perfectly in terms of what we'll get into on Friday's show is that you have the completely well-rounded Whitaker against the 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 guy who's one superpower <clears throat> is so dynamic and so ridiculous that you love this type of matchmaking. I love it. But Luke, uh, before we get off out of completely, yes, I, I did. I didn't know how to sort of frame this, but it was interesting. I don't know if you saw that Eugene Berriman of uh, of uh, City Kickboxing was on Submission Radio Down Under. I think in the last forty eight hours. And they teed him up with a question kind of saying like, you know, do you think Adesanya really gets promoted to the level of like how good he actually is in his, in his star potential by the UFC? And uh, Eugene gave a very telling sort of no answer answer in which he was just sort of like, yes, but I can't talk about it at all right now because of these specific times. And he was like very tight lipped. And then Mm. Luke this morning, we get that tweet. (laughs) Uh, that Aaron Bronstetter put out there that says, uh, per a release from Paradigm Sports, Adesanya signs a new multi-fight deal with the UFC, making him, quote, one of the top paid athletes in the history of mixed martial arts. Uh, That's fairly significant news, Luke. Do you think any of the timing and that weird no answer plays into it?
0: That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It it was weird for me. There was a while there where I thought Adesanya was going to turn and pop as a popular attraction sooner than he actually did. Now, I think he has at this point. Um, so, it, you know, uh, better late than never. But it did take a while for that to sink in. So I don't know about that, but I would ask this question if he, to UBC, If he just signed this deal where he's going to make a ton of money, whatever that ends up being, does he stick around at middleweight? Here's another part of the story. No. A, a, he lost to Jan Blachowicz, but B, on this card, as you well know, is the number one contender fight between Canonier and Brunson, Brunson, who he already beat. So, if Brunson wins, it would be yet another rematch, just their third or whatever in a row. Does he try his hand at 205 again? He will, and I think he also has
1: to legacy wise, if he actually cares about that thing we debated earlier of whether he actually is, you know, in potential to one day take a uh, Silva spot in-, in terms of the goatness and the greatest middleweight of all time going to second division and, and contending for and winning a championship, which Silva never really attempted to do. Um, that's how you get one up uh, on Anderson Silva's long stretch of consistency in the win streak and obviously the dynamic nature of how he won those. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, com- completely
0: Luke. All right, we'll have to see what happens on that. Let's talk about this co-main event here a little bit if we can. Derek Lewis taking on Ty Tuivasa. You spoke to Derek Lewis. We'll talk about that in just a second. BC, what what in your mind is the predominant storyline here? Is it, you know, new power trying to unseat old power? Is it just a bunch of big dudes who can throw down and that's what Houston fans love? What is the story here?
1: It's kind of all of that at the same time in in a weird way. Like, obviously, uh, this is, you know, two attractive heavyweights who fight in insanely attractive style. And it also kind of makes sense in the rankings to find out, you know, all right, Ty Tuivasa with this win streak, are you really a player? God, oh, God, I mean, go go F with the Black Beast. I mean, it, it it's a little bit of that, too. It's aggressive matchmaking. And, Luke, obviously, we, you can't not mention that uh, Tuivasa revealed in the past week that he was, like, hammeredly drunk on the phone when they pitched him the Derek Lewis fight. And he claims that was the only reason he kind of just, like, jumped at it. But, you know, he woke up the next morning and was like, all right, I guess I'm, I'm fighting this. Um... But, you know, it's 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 Derek Lewis returning home to Houston, and there's this sort of weird redemption potential within that, given that he just looked awful against Cyril Ghosn in Houston, So, and he claimed he would never fight there again. And uh, so it's kind of all that which comes together. But at the bottom line, it's also just good marketing and matchmaking to put two bangers in there against each other.
0: No doubt about it. And, and I would also just say, like, we can't lose sight of this fact. I remember when... I guess it was Robert Whittaker headlining. I don't remember, but it was Robert Whittaker on or one of the headliners. Then it was Tai Tuivasa on the card, and Megan Anderson. And the UFC was trying to make this big Australian push. It was in a U.S. market. Don't lose sight of the fact you have a Kiwi versus an Aussie, and then in the co-main you have another Ki or another Aussie. Excuse me. You know there could be a situation where the no matter what the oceanic region looks like a fucking million bucks here. Oh, yeah. But let's go back to Derek Lewis. He did have the rebound win against Chris Dawkins, a knockout win, set the record for most knockouts in UFC history for a single fighter having one. He talked about, about though what went wrong in the gone fight. Why is that relevant? The gone fight was in Houston. Here we are, back in Houston. Let's see what old Lewis had to say. Bump, bada, bump, bump, bum, bump. Bum, bum. And scene. <laughs> well, we to, love to you. For today, your honesty when we're
1: talking about the you know, ups and downs of your own fight game, all of that. When you fought in Houston last time, I mean, look, it, it's it's either a blessing to fight in your hometown, or maybe for some people it's a curse because of the pressure. I just, it it just didn't look like Derek Lewis in there against Cyril Gunn. What what happened? Black beats yeah, exactly, did, did they slip you the black <laughs> pill beforehand? What happened? <laughs> um it was just a lot of
2: pressure I had going on. Oh uh, Just a lot of stuff I had, um, like, that I've been dealing with at least for 15 years. That day was the same day I got released. And so it was like I put a lot of pressure on myself. Yes, yes. A lot of other stuff that was going on. So I just wanted that day to be real special. And I just choked.
1: Now, when you saw Cyril Gunn then lose... To Francis and Ghana, where you're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, mother motherfucker. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> no, not not at all. It's like um I guess you say Francis did a game plan where I, I wanted to do a couple of my fights before, like try to wrestle a guy. And but one whenever I'm in there, I don't even think about wrestling. All I'm thinking about is trying to knock him out.
3: Luke, yeah. That was
1: more introspective than I expected there. Is he basically saying that the redemption angle of returning home to Houston, 15 year anniversary of getting out of jail and turning his life around that he almost paralyzed himself with pressure by, by building it up and make, you know, making it this big thing. And then when it came time on the stage, he froze and obviously, you know, Cyril guns <laughs> freaking awesome as well. Luke, I, I don't yeah. want to mean, that the thing is
0: gone. going to be a tough fight on your best day. You know, um, so for me, it's like that was a hard matchup for him, no matter what. And I realize a lot of fighters, a lot of athletes, they want to tie in, so and so died, it's the anniversary of this, it's the celebration of that, it's the birthday here, blah, blah, blah. And they try to win, we- you know, weave their winnings or their competition into those life moments. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I tend to think that there might be something to that, right? Going back home and, you know, being the the guy who did himself proudly and 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 turned his life around and did amazing things showing that uh, on a night where he wanted to and maybe he got got in his head a little bit, but I also think Gon's just, you know, he's a tough fucking guy to beat, especially on the feet like that, right? Um, But okay, this one, I don't know what to do. Here's what it says in my notes. It says, Lewis on shoeys and autographs. You want to set this one up?
1: Yeah, so look, uh, you know, I I didn't just come out and say, hey, Derek Lewis, what do you think of shoeys? Because he's been doing interviews and just being like, man, that shit is so gross. So I didn't pitch it to him. In the end, Luke, but I, I thought he should come up with, like, something to counter that. Maybe, like, like call it, like, a bag of shit, and there's, like, a one in five chance that it's actual shit in there, and, you know, and, like, throw it out to the crowd after he wins or something. I mean, that, that's got to be the only way you can counteract how gross a shoe he is. And for anyone to, oh, you know, BC, that's funny talk, but we watched you, sh- you know, shoe a shoey on that live show. Yes, Luke, but I wouldn't let, you know, five men spit in it. There's, no, you know, this, wait, M. cocky over here. You know, why, I'm not, I don't, you know, come on, Luke, that that's next level gross. All right, let's so let's it. throw to Derek Lewis's thoughts on the top. That's a, that's a good point. Uh, we've heard you let's throw asked tomorrow. ad nauseum now since this fight's been announced. Your opinion on shoeies. and I love to see that. You know, you think that shit's gross, like the rest of us drinking beer out of some used shoe. Um, I'm thinking though, you might want to like, how do you beat? the king of gross, you got to top it. You got to come up with a Derek Lewis move that's even grosser. What do you think?
2: <laughs> nah, I, nah, I can't do nothing like that. Um, All right. Nah, I'd say I'd take my cup off and, and drink beer out of that. That's as <laughs> far okay. as I go. <laughs>
1: well, you know, following your knockout of Chris Dawkins last time out, you did toss said cup to the crowd as a souvenir. Did you ever find out who who won that gift? Who, who caught it? Oh yeah, the guy
2: had said that he's um he's coming to Houston actually to watch me fight and he
1: wanted me to sign it for him. <laughs> now look, you know, if you get famous enough, maybe you can sign a boob or two. Uh, you've never signed a cup, right?
2: Oh, I never signed a cup. No, I never signed a cup. I, I signed some plenty of titties, and <laughs> I no cup. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's why that's why that part, part out. My wife she don't
2: need to hear all that. No,
1: she doesn't need to hear about where Ronda Rousey's at or anything. i you know, we gotta respect those grounds. Um that's what a joy hilarious. what a joy to behold that that's, man. I've Luke. signed a lot of titties. That's,
0: <laughs> that's good stuff. That's good stuff.
1: So Luke, you think two of us has got a chance or what? What do you think,
0: Luke? I don't know. Can you imagine how much different my life would be if I could say to you straight-faced, I've signed a lot of titties in my life?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they would have built momentum in a certain lane and you would have just kept going down it, Luke, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, to me, is a really interesting fight. Derek Lewis is a guy who we've seen him. Well, he beat Curtis Blades, but, and he beat Ngannou. We all know the story. But, you know, Francis appears to be the very best one in this division. Gone just a step or two behind for the moment uh and then Derek Lewis is kind of after that he beats just about everyone else behind that position so if you can beat Derek Lewis you at least not only get a crack at that it kind of tells us what your real place is Tuivasa has kind of fashioned himself as someone who's you know sort of chubby and uh, gregarious and drinks beers out of shoes but actually is a pretty talented fighter when he wants to be and he looks like he really wants to be this is going to be a big test of what has the last year slash two of difficult training environments, what has that really done as he's ironed that process out and gotten better at it? We've talked about it before. How old is Tuivasa, 28 or 29? 28, doesn't turn 29 until March, so soon here, but still not even fucking 30. He is daring to be great. He's trying the Brian Campbell experiment, and so far, it, for the most part, it's been pretty good. Luke, what is the ceiling
1: potential? Like, what? Like look, we we talked earlier about the multi- reasons that that this fight is so attractive or why it was booked but like you know you can't like the main storyline really is is Tai Tuivasa good enough to, to swim on this end of the pool but because of the marketing potential of just the crazy guy character drink beer out of shoes you know australian and living it up like he can get a lot of mileage out of that and obviously you can get even more if he's like a title contender if he knocked out Derek lewis And did the shoe he atop the cage, you know? And I mean, is he an overnight like global star? I mean, what happens next?
0: Man, he might be. He might be. I'm trying to think of the last guy at heavyweight who was kind of similar where he was really, really good. Not the best guy, but also a fun loving crowd favorite. I don't know who that would be. Most of the time, the guys at heavyweight have been super serious. Kane was super serious. So was Brock to an extent, less so now. But at the time, JDS was really intense. I'm trying to think. I, he, Noguera, he dude,
1: Noguera was intense as shit. You know?
0: Fucking crazy intense. So like, you know, you, it was always this real hardcore, who's the baddest man on the planet? Here comes Taito Iwasa. I don't know if he's the baddest man, pretty close. But even if he's not, he has this completely unique lane. So to your point... Not only is there potential in that huge market that the UFC has been steadily building over time in Australia and New Zealand, but on top of that, he has, if he can really get good, I think that's what matters to me, BC. I don't think he has to be the very best heavyweight, although we'll see what happens over time, but he's got to be good enough and relevant enough. And then you add in this sort of bubbly, weird side. Yeah. I do think it could take, he's almost like prime cowboy. Almost, almost. Well,
1: that's why the, the, this next comparison makes the most sense. And shout out to our producer, Mikey Mormal, for tw- texting it into us. Who's the last guy that we saw that kind of fit ah. this character? Roy Nelson. And that, right. that, yes, of course, that makes a ton of sense. And I think we forgot to mention Roy the last time we had this debate as well. Do you think Todd Duffy could have become that, like the big, you know, a big dumb-looking guy who could just come out there and flatten people? Like he, there was a spark for a moment there, Luke.
0: I do like Duffy, but then he uh, he lost to Overeem, and I think that kind of derailed thing, and to Mir. No, because Duffy was always built like a fucking Terminator, you know? Whereas Taito Iwasa is formidable, to be clear. But, you know, he's not going to win any bodybuilding contests. Well, and I people think are going to say Shane Carwin, people
1: Luke. People will probably say Shane, Shane Carwin, but he didn't have the personality to match that.
0: And also, he was real muscular, too, um, and was a Division Two wrestler, I think, <laughs> memory serves. So he, he is something of a unique moment in heavyweight. Young guy, full of personality, totally bubbly, a little bit crazy but can actually fight a little bit. Now we're going to get to that side of things that tells us just not that this is the final arbiter, but at least a good measuring stick of where he is today. I will say, to beat Derek Lewis, what Taito Tuivasa has to do is, could he land a big punch in a wild exchange and that closed the show? Seems like he could do that with anybody if he really wanted to, but that's you know a 50-50 proposition at best. For Taito Tuivasa to win, he's got to show a dedicated strategic implementation in a yes. disciplined way over time, if he does that, that would be huge, man. That's not just beating Derek Lewis; it's a new way of fighting that could take you very far.
1: So, though, so I think we just laid out the two possible lanes of like perfect case scenario for Tai Tuivasa on Saturday, and that's true. And I, but Luke, how about this? One of the biggest factors of potential derailment for him that he's got to prove he can get past is while we would never look at Derek Lewis as a technician. Or you know I mean he's he's an elite brawler right we never look at him as as a lot of those things he has obviously had to develop some pretty high level um survival skills you know like think if you make basketball terms think of the old veteran who's kind of half dirty and sort of you know uses physicality to kind of cheat and ru- like Lewis has uh has enough of that veteranness that uh, that's part of the thing that that could potentially stop Tuivasa from implementing a game plan.
0: No doubt about it. And Derek Lewis, you know, he's certainly going to have something to say. But Derek Lewis has beaten better fighters than, um, than Tai Tuivasa has, by far. Like, he has a much better resume. And so, with that experience and with that ability, I think Tuivasa has something of an uphill climb here. Um, but here's the thing. Derek Lewis kind of already pretty popular, at least to the American audience. 37 years old. Not ancient, but not a ton of time left at heavyweight. And so the bigger upside in terms of at least growth potential is going to be on the Tui Vasa side, which is why I think they're making this fight at the time they're making it. But Derek Lewis, I think I think he's the favorite and probably should be.
1: Yes, because I think what that key question that you have to ask yourself double check. is, do you think Tui Vasa could win a, a full-on brawl against Lewis? Not one punch him. Do you think if this turns into a... A shit fest uh, in a, an amazing beautiful disaster of of strikes that he can stand in there against that kind of firepower I, I just don't believe that
0: yeah that i don't know that i'm much more skeptical about i don't think he can out brawl Derek lewis again over time I, I just don't believe that but Derek lewis according to our friends over at caesar sportsbook a minus 190 to Tui plus 160 so Pretty close odds, although Lewis obviously getting a bit of the nod. Dude, that's too to close.
1: Odds. Isn't that too close? Derek Lewis, close. Like, like you just talked about sort of the line he's drawn for himself, where you know he's he's proven he's better than even the Curtis Blades level, and that's a pretty high level heavyweight. I don't know, dude. That that's that's even with Tuivasa being a gunslinger, he has way too much to prove for him to be that that short of a of an underdog right there.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, that, those are those are interesting odds. I mean, if you like Tuivasa's upside, that's a this is a great moment to get in on it, no doubt about it. But I do think it's rightful that Derek Lewis has the has the uh, the favorite designation there. I just think what he's done and what he's proven he's just proven more to this point than Ty Tuivasa. But that's what makes the fight so exciting. I can't wait. BC, as we wrap up here on UFC 271, is there any other storyline on any other fight on the card? We did indicate there was the number one contender feel. Sure. about Cannonier and Aaron Brunson. You could talk about that, or is there anything else on this card? No, no, we hit
1: Cannonier and Brunson well, and we're obviously going to preview the X's and O's in detail on Friday. That's a great, great, elite middleweight fight to maybe produce the next title contender. But there is a lot of interesting storylines up and down on this. And look, obviously that women's flyweight bout between Roxanne Modafferi and Casey O'Neill will get us talking, rightfully so, in a few seconds about, you know, what this means for Roxanne Modafferi's legacy and who she was and what she has given to this sport for for so long Casey O'Neal's, like, pretty damn good, Luke. And she's only 24 years old. And uh, this is interesting matchmaking in a lot of ways, but she has, like, star potential. And then she told that story on the MMA Hour about waking up without a tooth and because she was so drunk in Mexico, and it was like the hangover, and then she had to, get, you know, have a sober 2022. That ju- That only added to the badass reputation, Luke.
0: That was pretty nice, I have to admit. How did you lose a tooth? I'm not entirely sure, but I think I know. We should party, you and I should party <laughs> together. Um, yes, that's a great one. I would actually point to a couple of other ones, which I thought were kind of interesting.
1: Whoa, whoa! You just you just jumped right past. You know, we love your Roxy. Have a, have a great exit. Here's my first memory. Yeah, sorry, of I, didn't, her. I didn't
0: mean to. I I, I yes, I talked about it a little bit on, on social media, but you're right. Roxanne Motiferi has been here. I remember when Sure Dog did a like a brief documentary on her when she was a translator um, in Japan. She used to live in Japan. They showed her little tiny apartment that she used to live in, I think, in Osaka or Tokyo. And she was a big feature there and a staple on the Japanese women's scene when that was the more dominant scene in the sport. But, of course, she was a pioneer. I think think she fought with hook-and-shoot and and some other places. She's been around forever. She is impossible to dislike. I mean, not everyone has to like the personality, but you just sort of ask who brings a joyful spirit, a unique energy to the sport and everything else. It's her. It's her times a 1,000 and... Also, one of these people who, you know, pretty fair to say wasn't born with Usain Bolt athletic genetics, but has just really, really dedicated herself to getting better. And I, I thought made a very strong case for herself as a talented, super good uh professional and had a very, you know, in, in her own way, I think, a very distinguished and commendable at least career.
1: Well, look, there's a there's a whole lane and and reason why she'll be so memorable historically, that, that plays into her personality, how kind and nice she is, how kind of oddball quirky she is and all that. But I don't want that to to shine over what she accomplished in the longevity, in the reinventions, not just taking, you know, a certain talent level and getting the most out of it, but who she was in her twilight from the upset of Macy Barber to actually fighting for a UFC title and in that inaugural uh, uh, flyweight bout against uh, Nico Montano. <laughs> she fought, you know, for Invicta titles coming up short by split decision. Don't forget Luke, she lost 7 fights in a row between like 2010 and 2013. That's usually enough to run somebody out of the sport. And then she arguably had, you know, her greatest moments after that to get to what I just mentioned uh in, in what she's become in the UFC, which is just a tough ass gatekeeper, but in the in the in the in the nicest possible way of of what she brought to these divisions. And then not really a gatekeeper because she got to the title level. So, yes, she's quirky and kind and amazing on that side. But the, what she did in the cage certainly uh, justified everything just the same. And Luke, I did match up my weirdness with hers one time. Um, I think it was before the Barber fight at UFC Media Day. And uh, interviewing her is a wild ride, Luke, because I, uh, you know, because she'll throw as many curveballs back at you as you attempt to slide in on her, and then. You know, you get to a point where you're like, I don't know her motivations anymore. I don't know where this is going.
0: She has great wins too, by the way. I mean, here's just her wins, but she fought everyone. But here's her wins. Valerie Letourneau, Shayna Dobson, uh, MK Superfan, Emily Whitmire. Um, uh, Conan. Magu- yeah, she beat Megumi Ma- Yabushita twice, Marlos Koonin. She beat uh, Andrea Lee twice, Deanna Bennett. She beat Barb Honchak, who was one of the top, uh early female fighters she beat uh macy barber she beat antonina shevchenko dude Luke, she, did she had fucking good work she had old guy at the Tara park with
1: you know old guy at the park with two knee braces who just comes down there and just posts up all over those young kids <laughs> you know and just like throwing in hook shots and or you know just just doing grimy old man shit that was her mma game in the second half and it worked like it worked very effectively, and also Luke. I don't think anyone's more worn more fabric, you know, into a into a cage than her. She had like, you know,
0: yes, who full wears sleeves who full? wears more fabric? Ferry before a UFC fight, or those divers who wear chainmail to go into feeding frenzies <laughs> with sharks?
1: I mean, it's Kobe Bryant level with the arm and leg sleeves. I mean, she, you know, she's in there to tumble, Luke. Okay,
0: God bless her, dude. She's been a great, great member of the MMA community. My wife got to roll with her one time couple times actually when she was uh, visiting in Vegas she said she's actually pretty good on the ground really good as a matter of fact
1: how did look considering I have been indecent proposal by Anderson Silva but didn't say yes to that how did you end up with this transaction
0: I I didn't roll it or my wife did okay no 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 my wife in my wife is a corporate event planner so you can imagine both of us independently end up in Las Vegas for work a lot me for fights her because that's where tons of conventions are right? Uh, so she had was planning some convention. I don't even remember what it was at this point. And then one of her off days, I think she went down to Syndicate and she said Motiferi was the only one there. And she asked if Motiferi wanted to train. Apparently she did. So they trained together for that day. That's and, uh, yeah.
1: Luke, you do yeah. you know the 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 picture you just painted of your wife like being ballsy as hell, Luke? I mean, you I mean she just knocks on a random MMA gym and goes up to said legendary pro yeah. and is like, hey, you want to, you know. Like, you know, I guess the shooting range on the first date is very well justified here, Luke.
0: So it was funny. My wife didn't know who that was, but now she knows, and now she loves Roxy. But uh, this was several years ago. She didn't know who she was. She was like, I, I found this lady. She seemed really nice. Her name was Roxanne. We rolled. I'm like, Roxanne Motiferi? She She's like, I don't know. So then I showed her a picture. I'm like, this person? She goes, yeah, that was her. And I'm like, you just rolled up to the gym and did it? She's like, yeah, she was really friendly. I was like, okay, sweet, awesome. Um, so there you go. i That's my fun little story with Roxanne Modafferi. I would also point out on this card, BC, a couple things to look out for. At a lightweight bout, it doesn't have a prominent placement even a little bit. It's buried on the early prelim card, and even then is not the main event. Alexander Hernandez taking on Hanato Moicano. Moicano and Hernandez were two guys with a ton of hype when they came to the UFC. In part, Hernandez, he beat Dariush and um, uh, Aubin, uh Marcier, whoever his name was, oh, Olivier Aubin Marcier, like in back-to-back fights or some shit, or whatever it was. He had, he'd be blitzed through the door, and all of a sudden, and then he tried the day drinking Don thing, and he's had to retool. He had some wins in his last contest, or had he win in his last contest. Moicano was this next thing at featherweight, but, you know, with just a little bit of behind some of the other guys, so he moved to lightweight. These guys are trying to, like, reset their career because they're still kind of yeah. young. That's a tough-ass fight for those guys. Really Absolutely. like that one.
1: Because, you know, specifically Moicano, he has yet to really establish himself at lightweight. Beyond more than this is an experiment. I mean, he's young enough; he's only thirty-two, and he had some very, very good wins at featherweight. And you know, be, between ultimately sort of alternating wins and losses in his biggest fights, I don't look. Is is the jury still out on on whether this move is 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 going to make sense for him?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't, it's, without really knowing what the cut to 145 did to him, it's hard to answer this question because, you know, you can make 145 at 28 and then you try at 32, it's going to be a lot harder. So we just don't really know the answer there. It's just that, like, on tape, you look at Connor, you're like, wow, man, this guy can do a lot. Like, he's, he's pretty well-rounded. He's pretty talented. And then he just came up short. The Korean zombie rolled through him. But, you know, I, I always go back to this. He was beating Brian Ortega up until the last second. La- uh, ortega pulled out a last minute submission out of nowhere but moicano was beating him thoroughly and i'll never forget i was in the backstage this was the uh the week where john jones told me he was my best friend it was, it was so it was um jones cormier too right that was, that's what it was and so i was in the back where they bring all the winners and they brought uh they brought brian ortega back and henry gracie was with him he could barely walk he, he was sit there and i remember he sat and he went he just let out this sigh like ugh, like he was suffering so credit to brian ortega for getting that win but dude. Moicano gave him the business for the majority of that contest. So he's a talented guy, but hasn't been able to get over that hump. And this is a really curious and interesting. Now, fight. to be
1: fair, he's actually two in one since going to lightweight. Obviously the okay. loss was to Rafael Fazeev and that's, that's a tough ass out. He's got two submission wins in there. You know, not against, you know, call home names, but uh, I'm interested in both sides. Look, Hernandez is fun. Luke fun fighter.
0: He is a fun fight, a fun fighter. Even the retooled version is still a pretty fun one. Last thing I'd say, small note, Something to pay attention to. I think there, I count at least two other fighters from City Kickboxing on this card. Dude, who will Blood course, Diamond. Get in Blood on Diamond is Blood Diamond is one, but also Carlos Olberg, who did well in the Contender Series and then made his debut and didn't do so great, but this is, I think, a chance to get back. I'm just pointing out, I have heard fighters say and see that their losses of their teammates doesn't affect them. I've seen the opposite, where the losses did affect them. So... Obviously not the biggest factor to pay attention to, but something to not lose sight of heading into that main event. All um, CKB super
1: 71. fans are focused on this one for sure. Luke, uh, no question. Luke, what would be like, okay. If Eugene Behrman came to you and he's like, look, we think you're the best and we know you fucking love us, bro. We know that. We know that we got you. Right. And then they're like, all right, whatever they pay you at morning combat, we'll pay you a dollar more than that per year. Come over to city kickboxing, Run our PR, run our website, and host our daily podcast. You know what I mean, Luke? Would you sell out because you just love them? I mean, you just look—you got an Anthony Smith level love for them.
0: No, and I respect that. I don't want. I don't want. I mean, I love those guys. You're right. I do. I think very highly of them. No, I want no part of that. I don't want to run someone's fucking website. I don't want to. I don't want to pitch media on how great the fighters are. Yeah, but they might let someone. Yo, Eugene,
1: not happening, bro. Okay, not not on on, that. Not on that. Yes.
0: All right. Topic number four here, BC. Let's talk about something else that made the news. The UFC had a presser, and so there was a big to-do about it. Amanda Nunes will now be the coach opposite uh, of, what's her face? Juliana Pena, only the champion. (laughs) Wow. For the upcoming season. Put some respect
1: on the champ's Sorry, there. Sorry, I had
0: a brain fart. Sorry. Uh, The upcoming season of Ultimate Fighter. But Amanda Nunes made noise a little bit differently. She was asked about why she changed camps. A couple of things she points to. One, a knee injury. Quote, I couldn't do much jujitsu or wrestling. I felt it in my warm up on fight night. My body, especially my arms, everything in that camp was arms. I was only doing boxing. I was only doing upper body. When I was warming up, I was like, this is not how my body is. I've been in the game a long time five years with that belt, five years without. My body has never felt like that. I want you to react in just a second. The other one, though, was. Whoa, hold, you know, hold on,
1: Luke. Let's react now. This is big.
0: Okay, go ahead. This
1: is big if you, and again, this is always going to look like taking, you know, shade at Juliana Pena, but it's not. But if you're of the belief like I was that that just wasn't Amanda Nunes in that fight, you know, obviously Pena's ability to gas her out in that first round on the ground played a big role. Not saying that, but we saw Amanda implode, gas out, and really kind of tap before the choke was ever even in if you want to be hypercritical, but it's true. So to hear that she had legitimate knee injuries and now this is her decision but felt pressured not to to not pull out because she had just pulled out ahead of the august original date because she had covid this this justifies a lot in in terms of potentially repairing some of that aura she lost luke sure Uh, it's it's excuse making to some to me there's your answer there's there's the key that fits the hole.
0: i actually feel like i actually feel like dude i i think this is actually totally reasonable what she's saying if you're as good as amanda Nunes, are you and i to be under the impression that every time she goes out there she felt like a million bucks or something pretty close to it nagging here nagging there but really whatever no probably not she probably had we know about the sinusitis that she was had to pull up from for the for the rematch with shevchenko but it was bad enough she would do it she didn't want to do that anymore so she felt pressure to continue so that was one like we're, I remember when Amanda Nunes got fucking roasted for pulling out of that fight last minute and now you know uh she's the goddess which she should be but i'm just pointing Dana out Dana
1: said she'd never headline a card again Luke that's right, what Dana said
0: right so so the hat to weigh on her plus if you could get away with beating people dude i mean she was beating them all in the first fucking round so Luke, what you're round. really
1: it, saying is Because, look, you know, Daniel Cormier's back was effed up when he defended against Derek Lewis, but decided to do it given the matchup, you know, and the style contrast. It's happened before, but she thought this is the right opponent to come in if I have to, if I have to cheat a little, if I have to take a chance, this is the right opponent. Because the same thing that we said ahead of time was true. Pena hadn't beaten anybody impressively enough or name value enough to give you the belief that could have happened. So I do see how this could have happened because, but the thing is, Luke, How much should we stigmatize the idea of consecutive pulling out of a fight if it's both warranted to your health? Like, just like Kane shouldn't have fought JDS the first time with a knee injury that bad, but probably with no leverage felt pressure because it was the kickoff card of the Fox UFC relationship and it was going against the Pacquiao pay-per-view and it was live and free and he took it and he lost. That mentality you don't see much anymore. Do you think she felt she painted herself into a hole with the... I mean, like
0: the thing is with MMA, the thing is with MMA is way more injuries than with boxing, right? Because you have knee tears and you're wrestling and you're doing everything else way more. All these guys, these old fighters who like do boxing, they're not doing it at the elite level, but they're all like the difference in training in terms of the, the weight on my body, so to speak, is just significantly less. And if you're a headliner, you got to make a call because if you're the, you're the, you're the double champion, the goat, you have a call to make. You know you're better than most of your contemporaries, probably all of them on your best day, right? But you're injured, and yet you owe, or you might feel like you owe the fans and the promoter, or you at a bare minimum, you don't want the negative consequence that comes with pulling out. So you're only going to pull out if you just cannot perform whatever. A lot of times, you're just going to take risks. The question you have to ask yourself is, if every UFC headliner pulled out when they had a medically justifiable reason to do so, how many fights would fall through? I got to yeah. tell you, BC, I don't want to know the answer to that question.
1: And, and to be fair, you know, there have been certain stretches in the last decade where that had become a problem. Remember 2012, around that era? Remember again in the 2014-15 yep. area? It was like, yep. you know, it became a thing on Twitter to say, oh, UFC can't, you the know, come bug. through. Yeah, and, it, you know, and it obviously hurts business. As a fan, you don't like it either. But, man, that's a tough decision to make. And, and again, I think she saw the odds in terms of who she's fighting but, but you know, one thing, she didn't take into account Juliana Pena's fighting spirit, and that's why she ended up winning it, and it was impressive, and I'm glad she's having her moment. I think this adds more angles, certainly, to the storyline of them coaching against each other and then the fight at the end of it, which gives Amanda more than enough time to to figure everything out. Um, yeah, but we got more Amanda quotes to talk about here.
0: Well, I was just going to say the one thing I would add is this is the way to understand it about Amanda Nunes or any elite fighter. This is why prep and peaking is so critical because this is the point. You can apply it to this fight. You can apply it to the next one. Is there a difference in overall ability that we have seen between Nunes and uh, Peña? Yes, of course. But the question is, if someone is somewhat compromised, they don't have to be that far down as long as their competitor is having their best night. And I would argue that Peña, dude, she stood in the fucking pocket and she slugged with her pretty impressively i gotta say backing her up at times by just eating a punch and then delivering one back and maybe it was as hard maybe it wasn't this is the point all it takes is for one elite competitor to be not at their best and for a a a, a, a contender to have a great night and they are either equal or the contender will pass the, the margin for error is is fucking thin at that level and so when you have a knee injury and we have covid and all this other shit yeah, it's going to fuck you up. And she didn't want to pull out. I understand, but it probably cost her her title in the end. Here is the other coach, or the other, speaking of the coach, here's the other quote you wanted to get to on who will coach her moving forward. She indicated at this presser, it was no beef with ATT. She just wanted her own thing. BC, in boxing, everyone who is an elite fighter has their own thing. Canelo has his own thing. Whoever has, Anthony Joshua has his own thing, and they build around that. MMA fighters have to wait till they have more money before they can build that. She's got it. This is, to me, in no way an indictment on ATT, from what I can tell anyway. It's just a recognition she has graduated past that level of training, that kind of training, because of who she is. But here's what she says. Quote, actually, that was something I want to do different too, but the coaches used to be different at American Top Team. It's Kami Barzini. He used to be the wrestling coach when I got there. I started training wrestling with him at ATT, but he ended up leaving, so I trained with Mike Brown and Roger Crawl. Uh, Roger was ATT too. It comes from that. It comes from the ATT anyways. They're not there, but I'm pretty sure the coaches at ATT really have amazing moments that they'll always remember talking about with her as well. So partly it was having the freedom to associate with who you want to associate with. You're not dictated to by who the brand has an association.
1: Well, with. and also it, it seems it, reasonable. It, yeah, it's very reasonable, especially because the two coaches she's replacing ATT with are former ATT coaches. So she had a you know relationship built at a very key time. But also, Luke, And I'm not saying this was 100% fueling or 50% or whatever, but some percentages also, I'm Amanda Nunes, I'm the greatest of all time, and I'm just another cog in the machine of this super team, ATT, that that turns people out, you know, turns these killers out left and right. And some of that comes in shared coaching time and and shared publicity, all of that. And then when you look at, you know, when someone has a a Trevor Whitman or somebody with a small, very small staple, you get a you get a much more intense uh, maybe maybe it makes you feel like you're the one Luke. You're, that's why that look that's all we want to feel like at the end of the day,
0: right? That's really that's why we're gonna bounce you from this program's hashtag producer credit. All right. <laughs> uh, in general, though, I have to say, you know, you know me about uh, the feelings about the first fight with Nunez and Pena. i I don't take Nunez as a weak person. I don't take her as a malingerer. I think if she says she had these injuries, I'm extreme, dude. If you can't give the benefit of the doubt to the greatest women's fighter we've ever fucking seen, who can you give the benefit of the doubt well, to? Not, not
1: just that, Luke. Like she wilted. Like she doesn't do that. She doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Like she hasn't had stamina issues since the very since her last loss before that to Katsungano, and it was like that changed her. It took her a while to build up five-round stamina to out-duel Shevchenko, but, you know, she got there. So, no, she wilted in too many ways, and we do have to also mention she hadn't had to make 135 in two years, so now she's hurt and can't do the same cardio build. And, you know, nothing about this was easy, Luke, but you're right. She took that gamble and she lost, and now we've got a a rematch – that's worth getting fired up for. So it worked. It may have worked out, you know, the best for everybody in the end.
0: Whenever we do uh, like predictions, or whenever, whenever anyone does predictions, what do we always do? We always try to imagine each fighter as their best self and how do they pair? Amanda at her best self, truly dialed in, no injuries, fuck COVID, all that nonsense. She's feeling great. Dude, she's gonna be pretty hard to beat. But the reality is, by the time they get into the cage to compete. They are routinely lesser versions of their best selves, sometimes dramatically so. And that debate, who's going to win, is a completely different debate than who the very best are at in this abstract sort of um, idea. Uh, all right, BC, last but not least, tropics, topics true or false? So here is the topic. Kamar Usman is going to get, apparently, hand surgery. So here is my true or false. According to his manager, Ali Abdelaziz from Dominance MMA, he confirmed it to ESPN. True or false, Kamaru Usman will fight on International Fight Week to defend his welterweight title. True or false?
1: I'm telling you that that seems to be true from what you hear about his intentions of what Leon Edwards' team is saying, and and that would make sense for that to be the the next title defense. I I'm a little bit more shaken up at the not safe for work images of the surgery that uh I didn't see that, them that Are Dana tweeted out of like. You know Usman's hand opened up. Like I, I wasn't prepared for that with the coffee on the on the scroll in the morning. You know on, on IG, but but outside of that, Luke, um, yeah, man, he he wants to. God, Usman wants to be great, Luke. I mean, he wants to be freaking great. I really think he's maximizing the last couple years and fights he has left, and looking at the options. And 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 uh, he he's a he's a smart dude, Luke. Very smart guy.
0: He is a smart guy, and he is finally getting uh, the rewards he deserves. All right, more true or false? Uh, here's my. I'll read it to you, and then I want to ask you the question. Nick Maximov, or Maximov—I don't know how to pronounce his name properly. He has called out Hamzat Chimaev. Quote: He said this to Ariel over at the MMA Hour. Uh, Hamzat's fighting all these little ass guys, but I'd like to fight him next. He tries to call out Nate and Nick. It's like fight me then. We're both in the same boat. But why are people scared of him? You know what I'm saying? He hasn't fought any wrestlers. He's a wrestler, but he hasn't fought any wrestlers. So I'm like, what the fuck? He's fought MMA fighters, and I'm a martial artist who can wrestle. I just made the record for takedowns in my second UFC fight. In my second UFC fight, I was the co-main event. So who else is doing that? True or false, Nick Maximov will usher in an epic beating of of world-renowned proportions if he takes a fight with Hamzat Shemaev. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Look that. Uh, all signs point to true, unfortunately. But I I would tune in every week to hear you do more Stockton speak. I was really enjoying that a lot. Um, uh, yeah, Luke, I, dude, he's, Lodi, uh, <laughs> bitch. he's got day one, 209 fever right now. I mean, he's feeling it. But look, I, I he's he look, he's a good fighter. He showed that it was a you know, it's not the it's not going to be the eye pleasing win, but I mean, he shut down Punalehi Soriano. I know Soriano fell awkwardly and hurt his leg in that fight, and it it played a role, no question, as he gutted it through. But uh, man, Maximov's got that Diaz-level want for the smoke, Luke. Okay, so we're gonna find out. uh, Gonna find out if he can sit on the end of that Cypress Hill. uh, Have you seen this shit gun and and take in that entire waste of of weed air, Luke? And just you know, can he can he put the face mask and backpack on and handle it? You know
0: what I'm saying? All right. Can we move on to the last true or false? By the way, every time someone tweets me about Yaroslav Amosov. It's your slob. I'm a slob every (laughs) fucking time now. Okay, but Uh, he is going to be defending his title against MVP May 13th in Bellator, London. Here's the interesting news. Co-main event was announced. Welterweight as well. Former champ who has been on a rough run. Douglas Lima is going to take on a guy that Rashad Evans has been in our ear about now for a while, Jason Jackson. Now, Jason Jackson has been fighting a lot of 175 catchweights. He fought Semtex and some other guys, but this will be at 170. BC, true or false, Jason Jackson is going to defeat Douglas Lima on May 13th.
1: Wow. 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 Um, uh, you know, it's in play given the, the losing streak for Lima and the direction things are here to, you know, appear to be going. Are, are they going crazy rapidly? Well, we're going to find out with this fight. And it's because it, it, for for Douglas Lima to, to dial it back and beat you know, a, a a a fighter this confident on such a good streak, who looks very strong and has learned, you know, from his missteps acro- up until this point. Um, I don't know. He, he Luke, he did rely on wrestling the last time we saw him. Uh, uh, you know, in this slide that he's on, Douglas Lima. It looked like he was more willing to kind of not lay and pray, but strategically use his offensive wrestling mm-hmm. more than when he was on that striking run of kicking holes in people's legs. Uh, I, I don't think that works even against this you know in this fight.
0: I w- I don't know what to expect from this one because here's what I would say: it gets back to the Nunes and Pena debate. Douglas Lima at his best has done better work than Jason Jackson. Matter of factly, he beat Rory McDonald, right? But I don't know what kind of Douglas Lima we got right now because he has been in a tough stretch. Now he's not fighting chumps, but at the same time, he hasn't. He just. And the, the part about it, BC, is not that he was like he he had these uh, gritty performances and these like close split decisions, he just didn't really show up at times or too late or whatever. It wasn't there was something missing a little bit. Jason Jackson and I say this as a compliment. We say this in the Marine Corps. That dude is full of vinegar and piss. He is looking for the kinds of accolades and card positions that Douglas Lima has been enjoying. And this is his chance to get it. Co main event plus the weight class you're fighting this dude in. The title is being held one fight above you, you would imagine if Jackson wins, I don't know about Lima, but if Jackson wins, he probably is going to get a title shot against Amasov yeah. or MVP, who it ends up being. So these are big fucking stakes for a guy who has not been in this position. And again, I want to say it one more time, dude, Rashad Evans, true or false, With another one, he has been in our oh, ear yeah. about Jason Jackson. Absolutely. And the
1: guy's shown shown some next-level hunger in there, Luke. And, and I think he's figuring out, how you know how to how to enter with the right mindset and strategy in some of these these higher level fights, and this is that it's like I wanna I wanna believe Luke because Lima's three fight losing skid is only against great fighters, and one of them he moved up in weight to fight Gegard, and you know he did lose by split decision against MVP. I, I know it was wrestle heavy, a little bit boring, but he did turn the tables, and, and I mean he's he could just kind of at thirty four bounce back from whatever funk he was on. But I just didn't see that the spirit left in him against MVP, even with the strategic move to the ground, Luke. I just didn't I just didn't see that 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 flame anymore, man.
0: I agree. I really wonder about that as well. Um, so we'll have to see. But that is it for the top five topics, good sir. I think it's it's time for your next segment.
1: Yeah, yeah, Luke. What do we do on Wednesdays to fill time? We say, say, BC, come up with a damn segment. So Luke, this one is popular from time to time. Let's see if, if it falls flat on its face right now. I present to you 10 different numbers. You tell me from the shit I'm telling you, Luke, is it over or is it under?
0: Oh, I like this. <laughs> I like the graphic too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's well done there from the cool. uh, from the MK Malka team there. Shout them out. Uh, Luke, we start off here, number one. The number we're talking about is 1.5, one and a half. The total number of UFC or Bellator MMA fight cards that Luke Thomas will attend in
0: person <laughs> in 2022. I attended... I dude, since I've partnered with you, and by the way, I'm very happy about this, but since I've partnered with you, I attend way more boxing than I do MMA. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so are you saying if I attend one Bellator and one UFC, that counts? Total or are you talking number. About, that would be two, number. yeah. Total number. Uh, we're already one month down, so I have 11 months to do it. Um, I'll say over. I'll say I'll go to... Because I feel like they're going to make me go to one MMA fight this year, UFC fight, and then Showtime will probably make me go to at least one Bellator. Yeah, I'll say two. I'll say. I love
1: two. that you're like, you know, they, they'll they'll make me do it. They'll <laughs> yeah, they'll do. They'll bring dude, a lawyer if over.
0: Well, if they, motherfucker, if they didn't make me, my chances of going are fairly low. You know,
1: you'll be at International Fight Week after we win that podcast award, Luke. And then yeah, uh, yeah, you know, or
0: I don't know, if kind of. How the many UFC time. events did we attend? You attended. I only attended the i I only oh, I went to two UFC events i went I went to no, I went to the one I just went to the Connor trilogy fight well with you Dustin. came That's during
1: it. you came to win the award during uh the fight, but with, I didn't apply didn't to
0: credentials, and I went home that Saturday morning, yeah, it so didn't really yeah. count.
1: That was that was a Lithuanian exit from you. You know, like you it, told me it, in it, advance
0: what you planned on doing, but it was very it def- in line with my it definitely. People, was, yeah. My poor wife needed some help. I had to get home, but uh, yeah, that's that's fine. Okay, so look,
1: next? if Conor fights a second time, dude, you're probably there too. I gotta probably. go with over here. I gotta yeah, go I'll over. Yeah, I'll take
0: the over. I'll take the over.
1: All right, here we go. Number two. The number is five and a half, five point five. 5.5. Okay. The amount of top ten UFC welterweight fighters that you would bet money on would lose. To number eleven, Hamset Chimaev. If they fought next,
0: okay. So we're at welterweight, not middle. Okay, right. let me pull that up.
1: Hamzat is number eleven. Over under on five and a half.
0: On how fighters many that fighters you believe I think would lose.
1: That you would bet money on Hamzat winning.
0: Okay, let me look at this. Wow, that's a good question. Mayon. Um, okay, I'll go one, two. You're gonna say the names at least for entertainment value. Fuck no, they're gonna come <laughs> killing me. Hell no. Three, oh. four, five. I can give you five.
1: Oh, the oh. under.
0: Hold on, the hold on. Under. Let me see. Let me. Let me see. Let me see. Hold on. I'll give you five. I'll take the under. I can't go with some of these names just yet. I'm not saying that I can affirmatively conclude you can't beat them, but well, I can no one comfortably say five.
1: We don't know what's gonna happen when he when he gets into that side of the pool. But God, can I not wait? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess the under. I would have gone. I would have. I would have bet on the over here. All right. Number three. Here we go. The number is one, Luke. The number of scantily clad women hired to appear in Colby Covington's various interviews and online skits who he actually also had intercourse with.
0: I'll take the under for sure. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think any of that has resulted in in in, in buns. I think, <laughs> that, uh, I think that's a strictly oh. transactional, like, wow. be on All Instagram than right. be about. Do you don't really think
1: he, he could have pulled suave or been like, look me up? And, you know, and, listen, and...
0: I'm sure he's laid pipe in, you know, wonderful places that I could only dream of. But. Wow. I'm just saying as it relates to the Instagram stuff, no, I don't I don't I think that's uh, I don't take I don't take that too seriously.
1: All right, moving on. The next number in question here, Luke, 2.8 million. Okay. Ready? Okay. The minimum guaranteed purse that Francis Ngannou would be willing to agree upon per fight to re-sign with the UFC.
0: So, when if it's a minimum guarantee, he gets pay-per-view points, it could hit 3, potentially 4, 5. Yes.
1: But he would be, no matter who he fights, he would be guaranteed $2.8 million.
0: I think he'd resigns. I do. I think that would not be a maximization of his money, but it would be a lot more than he's been getting uh, by orders of magnitude, quite literally. And on top of that, he would avoid any kind of lengthy court battle or whatever the fuck. You know, if you're guaranteed to make basically three a fight, that's not what you should be making, I grant. But it solves a lot of problems for him and gets him pretty close without having to go to battle with a promotion. And he doesn't have to fight in a sport that's not his first sport. He could still fight in MMA versus boxing or whatever. So, like, you know, here's the thing you have to ask yourself. how? Okay, BC, what is the actual... They make Francis versus Tyson Fury and ESPN promotes the fuck out of it UFC well, I was says, gonna you say, know what we're going to fuck what if, how much does disney he make
1: calls there? up what if disney calls up and is like we have a shoulder platform to run around with this like well, this is the biggest fight in combat sports history the 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 killer at heavyweight in boxing it's the killer at heavyweight in MMA who is the like they could casual fan the shit out of a landscape of coverage with enough ad buys? money to, to make this just ridiculously big 3 million buys Oh, that's still, that's still the under. I still go What under. would
0: Francis make for that? 50 million?
1: Yeah, 40, if guaranteed 40. 40, 50, yeah. something like that? Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. then you have to ask yourself, okay, I could make more in one fight that I could make in 10 with the UFC or whatever it ends up being. But how many fights do you have after that, right? So, you know, there's a it's a it, it, there's a lot of like competing issues here. But it, I, if I was, to me, if I was Francis, and I got, and I made, I could. Let's say I could reasonably conclude, right, that I could make. I'm going to throw out a number here, seventy-five million, which I know is insanely high. I would take that and then just quit working the rest of my life. I'm well, like, not only am I not I blew, a snot, I not gonna, bubble.
1: Like, I blew a snot like, bubble, like, like not al- if
0: I was Francis, I'd be like, not only am I not fighting MMA again, I'm not fighting any of you bitches again. Yeah, I'll see yeah. you on the on the Maldives with with fucking you know, a drink in my hand.
1: Fuck well, off. Here's what's interesting, though, is, like, is that going to be the, the make or break on him re-signing? Meaning, if they gave him this type of money and he was willing, if the money was right, the 2.8 per fight, let's say that was right, what about the must-allow-me-to-do-boxy-match clause? You know what I mean? What about that? If that's the deal-breaker, he leaves. Because, look, he really, really wants this fight. And while, yes, the money and the that you know maximizing everything he's he's worked for all the all the sweat hours he put in to become this fighter he could get the full pension in that one fight as you mentioned no question but look i think a lot of this is he really thinks he can win that and is really like no i'm gonna uh, you know you only get one chance in life to do this kind of history i believe i have a puncher's chance of winning the boxing heavyweight title and i'm gonna go out there and show you that i do like we always we every time this fight gets breached, we're like, ah, oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean? Even with Tyson in the four ounce MMA gloves, we're still like, yeah. The, but. Your
0: question is really interesting because you know he's playing with unknown. So, for example, if the money was the same, two point eight guarantee plus pay per view points on top, um, but you could only reasonably conclude that at maximum your take home against Tyson Fury would be twenty million. That changes the deal a lot. That is a very different deal at that point. Um, so I don't know what he would do in that case. You have to just ask yourself, what is the actual upside with a Tyson Fury fight? How much can you actually make? Uh, and if he could make a fuck ton, he'll go. If he can make a lot, but the UFC's is to come up off their pockets a little bit, I think it. I think he stays. For sure he stays. Very interesting. Very interesting.
1: All right, let's keep over-under going, Luke. Four and a half, 4.5. The number of top 10 ranked UFC heavyweights who you think could dunk a basketball right now.
0: Okay, so let me look at the heavyweights. Francis, do you think he could dunk? I think he could dunk, right? Oh, he could he
1: could hammer that down, Luke, okay? Yeah. All right,
0: so Cyril Ghosn is the number one ranked. We've seen Ghosn do it, so we yes. know he can do it. Steve Miocic was a pretty good athlete. He could dunk, right? With He's like training. 6'2".
1: Yeah, yeah. He's 6'2 and jacked in a, in a world-class athlete. I think he can dunk, yeah.
0: Okay, Derek Lewis cannot dunk. I don't know if he can grab the net. Dude, I mean,
1: he, he is... no, dude, he's a freak athlete too in
0: his own way, though. You don't yeah, think but he does can... he have ups? I don't think he has ups.
1: If you put money on it, I think he may I think he's dunking the ball. He's dunking the ball, Luke.
0: He's okay, dunking. all right. So, so for me, I'll go two uh so far. Curtis Blades. He could probably dunk, right? He's actually yeah, a yeah. I, bet, than me. I bet he would. I
1: bet Blades windmills. I bet he's yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, five easy call Volkov. I mean that motherfucker's head height with the rim—that giraffe. So yes, he could he could dunk. Six Rosenstrike. No chance he can dunk. No chance zero. I'm gonna say zero for him.
1: Yeah, he he seems very heavy, but I don't know. I don't know. Okay, probably seven
0: not probably. Chris Dawkins. Mm, no, so. I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. Dude. Number eight, no chance. You know, this you know what,
1: Doc is, prove us wrong. All right. Prove, yeah, prove Send in wrong, the video if, to if, he can dunk in g- a g- basketball. Basketball.
0: If he can dunk a basketball, I'll recant everything. Uh, eight, Shamil Abdurachimov. That dude can jump hamburger high. No chance. He no, dunk. chance. no
1: chance. No chance.
0: Okay. Number nine, Marcin Taibora. He ain't dunking anything. Not happy. White men Nothing. can't
1: dunk, Luke. Not yeah, happy. No.
0: 10 is more interesting. 10 is Tom Aspinall, who does look like a pretty good athlete to me. Nah, I bet white you White
1: guy dunk. from the UK, he's not dunking. Great, friend, great fighter, he's not dunking the ball. Okay. little
0: guns from France. Oh, they, got good, they got Rudy Gobert. He gave everyone COVID. Um,
1: Dude, so that four and a half is way too low then. The, it's the over.
0: Yeah, I'll take the over. I'll take the yeah. over, yeah. All right.
1: I think, I think you'll be right on that. Okay, here we go, Luke. Three, number three. The amount of times the combination of Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder... And Alexander Usyk will fight one another before they all retire. Could we have the four kings at heavyweight right now in this era?
0: I'll take the under. For sure. I'll take the under. All right. So we we, get...
1: we think we're getting AJ Usyk too. That'll be the first one, right?
0: Yep. And then after that, I think it falls apart.
1: And then Fury versus the winner is still going to happen at least once, right? So that's two, but that's still under. Yep. Do we get AJ versus Wilder under, uh, under any circumstance?
0: AJ would have to be desperate, I think. Uh, I think if he loses to Usyk, it increases the chance. But here's the problem. We don't even know if Wilder is retired or not. He kind of indicated he was halfway in the bag. Um, so he might not even be a player here. I don't know if uh, Fury will fight Usyk because that we just don't know how that's going to... I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under for sure.
1: I, I'm going to take the over. Part of it is hope because... Wow. For it to not be the over, like... Boxing shit has to be, like, heavy strong in the next few years, Luke. You know? I mean, heavy. I hope not. I mean, it's po- it's very possible. Damn. Damn. All right, Luke. 57,000. The number of our 105,000-based MK subscriber group who either did or at least would have been willing to storm the Capitol steps on
0: January 6, 2001. It's got to 57,000 seems like very much an undercount. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's closer to, you know, uh, 99% of that 105K. Like, if
1: me? it was just proximity, like, they're like, you know, I'm not going to drive 800 miles for this, but if I was in that town, yes, I would have been there.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Then then the number goes up to nearly everyone. That's oh, 57,000 wow. is a conservative estimate. All right. I all think. right.
1: That's Luke got uh, 2.5, two and a half. The number of Russian or Russian former occupied born fighters who will be UFC champions at the end of 2022. When, when, when it's New Year's Eve and it turns over to 2022, two and a half is your over under on the defending Russian or, or close enough born Kazakh Ukrainian. So we can program. count
0: former Soviet satellite states? Oh, yes, yes we do.
1: If you got some kind of Soviet on you, Luke, we're counting it, okay?
0: Can you pull up the question one more time? Let me see it one more time on the on-screen graphic.
1: Two and um, a half—the number of Russian or occupied-born fighters
0: who be UFC champions. Yeah, I mean, I think if you count wider like Bellator and PFL, it's you know going to be a huge number. Okay. Who? Now we already have one. So are we counting Shevchenko? Well, then that
1: would say you would say she's going to be a champion when the, when this year closes. Yes, if you're counting that, then that's one.
0: Okay, so that's one um wow this year when it's over i wouldn't count volkov because i think he's a little bit too far behind peter Jan, that's two as our uh, gaff our producer as wisely noted so we would just need one more yes Ooh, you Shabaya, gotta take the over so tempting you um, gotta take
1: the over Islam Mahachev. You gotta take that over.
0: Right. Ha- good call. Hamza. Yes, I'll take the over. I'll take dude, the dude. Hamza Chimaev
1: could could be coming I'll, on for all we know. I'll take I'll
0: take the over. I like that. I'll take the over. It's a good one. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to fifty percent off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, I think. Are there a thing freeze? Are you there? I'm there. I'm there. I'm
1: there. I'm there. Technical difficulty. All right, difficulty. Let's do, All right uh, Luke. Phantoms, two more. Right? Let's oh, close Jesus it out here for forever. Come on. But the, but it's it's epic though. I mean, it's freaking epic, Luke uh 15 million the amount of cash Dana White could physically produce in 24 hours from his own accounts if he was arrested for a high profile felony and needed to make bail i'll
0: take the over i think he has way more liquid cash than that way more
1: wow. that's look <laughs> that's an insane amount of liquid cash even for yeah. a rich guy
0: dude a buddy of mine was trying to buy a house here in the city and he's a lawyer like this is not a poor guy and he bid on a home, uh, you know, not a cheap home, and lost the bid because the person who outbid him paid it for in cash, all in one go. Damn. There is some stupid money floating around out there, and Dana White probably has a nice chunk of it.
1: Luke, he's going to run for uh, governor of Nevada and then eventually president one day.
0: Probably. I want you probably. to
1: remember that I was the first one a year ago who who said that out loud. I was. Yeah, he won't win, but yeah, Nostradamus over here. Uh, by the way, Nostradonkis has predicted in concession, Luke, succession, not only that Francis Ngannia would wrestle to win, but that Strickland would win a decision. So, uh, you know, maybe this is the new streak, the new curse. Maybe I'm just was struck by lightning in my sleep, Luke, and, uh, you know, my circuits are
0: back. All right, here we go. Are people still doing the curse thing now that Francis won? I hope they not. They can't be, right? Because,
1: yeah. I mean, Canelo killed it. The only debate is if Francis or Canelo killed it. That's the only debate. All right, Luke, the final one is one and a half, one point five. 1.5. All jokes aside, the amount of calf strikes Justin Gaethje actually was from putting Habib in peril at UFC 254.
0: Gotta take the over. Obviously, it was hurting him. Obviously, we know Justin Gaethje can do phenomenal work. But to really hobble and hurt and change the game, I think three or four is probably where he would have needed to end up. One or two, certainly impactful. Not enough for a guy like that.
1: By the way, as much as, like, you know, years from now, we'll be like, remember when Gando won that fight with a contract dispute and a torn MCL? Remember when Habib won that fight with like a broken foot and another injury yeah. on, on another part yeah. of his leg? And he was no. retiring and he like, I, damn, dude,
0: damn. I miss him. He was great for the game. Uh, by the way, in case you haven't heard yet, Godzilla has returned from downtown Tokyo to now terrorize MKVille. So Yeah. <clears throat> All
1: right. Uh Luke, do you want to uh close with uh, fan subs here?
0: Let's see what they got. Let's see what the fans got.
1: All right, morningcombat at gmail.com is the call out there. Uh this is where you send us pictures and stuff. It's weird. It's fan submissions.
0: I like the segment. When when this segment is good, it's really good. It's feel when good. It's, bad, yeah. it's really bad.
1: <laughs> it's really it's like it's like ribs. Barbecue ribs, Luke, I only eat them if they're elite, okay? Like That's some fair. guys are like, I'll only Get a prostitute if it's in a
0: dude. I cannot remember the name of the place, but when I was in Houston for the uh Data 5000 Kimbo fight, because I've done very important work in my career, I um Jeremy Botter, who lived in Houston at that time, he may still live there. Uh, he took me to some barbecue place that only like only has a certain amount of meat each day. And when they sell out, that's it, they close. They're done, right? And then when you when they open, there's a line out the door. He knew the owner. So we got to skip the line. It was him, me. I think Mike Jackson. Remember the guy who fought CM Punk? Oh yeah. Him, me, Mike Jackson, and I think Sean Shadi was with us. Although I could be wrong about that. But either way, dude, that was some of the most unbelievable barbecue I'd ever had. It, it's like there's that, and then everything else yeah. they call barbecue is some cheap imitation.
1: When you get it real, whether it's in Memphis or Austin or wherever you go for your like, no, these guys do it real. It's oh, God. It's by the way, I, have City. you been to Memphis? No, I want to go to Memphis and Kansas City just for the barbecue. You know, I'll take the crime and the and all that stuff too, but like I've been to bar- Memphis
0: once, so I don't I cannot hardly say that I've got it figured out, but I didn't love it that much. And also Beale Street is a not as good as well, I mean they're both for a, a certain kind of person, but So it's would not argue...
1: like 6 6th Street in Austin?
0: No, and it's definitely they th- they say it's close to Bourbon Street in New Orleans. It ain't. It ain't. It ain't like that at all. Um Yo, Bourbon yes, know. Street,
1: New Orleans is 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 it's pretty insane, Luke. It's pretty nuts, yeah.
0: Yeah, and for a while it was Frenchman Street where the locals went, but I'm told that that's no longer the case. But Frenchman Street was cool too.
1: All right, Luke from Danger Mouse is our first one. I have donks greetings from God's own country of South Yorkshire, hoping that one day I'll message to see my art live. You'll manage, yes. First time you change the schedule, second time I'm back. What happened? What happened? Fingers Go crossed, back. I'll be home for this one. If you even show it. This is the reality of how B.C. sees food. MK all day, every day. <laughs> Corporate needs you to find the differences. Uh, what does that say?
0: I can't read. Uh, they're the same picture. Yeah,
1: that's great. That's fantastic. That hot all dog right.
0: is fucking gross, by the way. So let me see if it's got ketchup, mustard, mayo, and then relish on top. Well, look, say, this, I'm not just a gives you a,
1: this just gives you an insertion to mention how Columbia's hot dog game is money, Luke, okay? It's money, right?
0: I didn't say anything.
1: No, but I want you to. I want to try it. I want to try that. You know, I think
0: you're making liver, fun of me because you think I'm full of shit. Because my not, liver I'm, I'm won't let me. My liver just
1: it just bailed on me. You know
0: what I mean? By the way, Dying Fetus announced they're going to have another tour April since you bailed on the Cannibal Corpse concert like a fucking pussy that you are. You get another chance in April to come down to Baltimore to watch that with me. So go fuck.
1: Sorry, with Luke. I, my mic was messing up. Gaff, we good now? You can hear me well. I, I it wasn't. I wasn't hearing you, Luke. Let's keep it going here. Uh, did I hit some? Okay, it's good now. This is from Norman, who is Bill of Bill and Jen fame. Okay, greetings from Bill and Jen and Megan Stew the puppies. This was in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. There's a waterfall behind us that you can barely see. We're spending the winter in Austin, so we haven't been posting as frequently. But anyway, we're going to UFC 271 in Houston. Holy crap. Hope to see you there. At least I can give you guys some real THC oil, not that Delta 8 bullshit. That's for pussies. Wow. I mean, did Bill just step up his game right there with this with this submission, Look,
0: Bill talks a lot about what he's going to do for us, you know, and I appreciate the merch stuff, but until I see said THC oil, it's all cap, sir. <laughs>
1: I appreciate him wearing our, our original. We got to get him some new merch because he's a he owns all, I think, of our 1.0 launch. Uh, yes. We, we should find an address somewhere, some P.O. box he can pick up in the middle of nowhere, America. That'd be great. Um, all right. Thank you, Bill, for that one. Uh, let's keep it going from Connor. Ola Burroughs. I'm a P1 donk. I've been loving the 270 content. Great to have you back in the studio. Here's to more awards, more live shows, and more BBE.
0: It's art, Jerry
1: well done uh meme right there, Luke.
0: not bad not bad pretty good i think he has a second one
1: apparently my notes are wrong he may not have a second one you blow it up there it is <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's better that is, that is better, better. That is, that, that's that, good well done well done there connor all right that guys are becoming a regular in these parts uh this one's from nathan what up donks uh got some pictures here with my beautiful girlfriend Kelsey, we'll be the judge of that, Nathan, and my sweet MK merch, which she got for me for Christmas at the Honda Center at 270. It was our first live MMA event, and we had an absolute blast. Luke, you mentioned in your post-fight show that when Velasquez beat Lesnar at the Honda Center, it drew a huge contingent of Hispanic fans who seemed to have a deep... Co- yeah, dude, it's in Southern California. It's Mexican boxing territory, of
0: course. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so, yeah, he mentioned that um, sev- several dozen Mexican flags in attendance... Moreno got the huge pop Mexico chance on and on amazing experience. Look, I'd have to say those fans sold out for Moreno. So our buddy here, uh, Nathan, who's not doing too bad in, in all things life. Uh, you know, he probably had a, it's probably a Look, UFC live crowd experiences do produce life changing experiences. They do.
0: They do. Also, these might be the only two MMA fans on earth who wear masks.
1: Yeah. I think that's why they were in the last row. I think they got pushed back, but Thank this guy for representing us. And, look, let's not bury the lead again on, on Bill and Jen. They're going to be there at 271 in Houston this Saturday. Do you think, you know, Bill splurged, since he doesn't have to pay a mortgage anymore, right? And, you know, he's living in that RV. Do you think Bill splurged and bought, like, right up front Tom Brady seats and is going to wear that MK merch right next to Dana, right? Like, right on him, you know what I mean?
0: I wish, but no, I think he probably is sitting in the bleeders. All
1: right. All right. Uh, Apparently, every time I move, Luke, my mic is cutting out. Uh, This one's from Tyler from the 412 in Pittsburgh. Last year ended so beautifully with you two donks taking home the award, but the award hangover is strong. (laughs) (laughs) Between one of you donks not being on air, constant audio issues, and overall poor performances, I have to suggest you put down the Delta 8s and get your focus back. Wow. Wow. Uh, Luke, is this a, uh, was this an intervention that needed to, (laughs) needed to happen here? Luke,
0: it hasn't been the strongest start to the year. However, 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 I am quite confident that when the year has wrapped, we will have looked back on it quite fondly, but it's a fair criticism. I am. I tried the Delta 10. It wasn't too much different than the Delta eight, but it was different.
1: the homie and I had to show off the MK drip at the Wings game, Red Wings game. Thanks for keeping me entertained at work. I always ignore my job to watch you guys. Oh, look at these guys, Luke.
0: I mean, you asked me what's the over under on Capital Stormers. <laughs> I mean, what the? How could you fucking ask that? Well the guy on the two. left. The guy on the left went in both the gym. took Luke. a shit on Nancy Pelosi's desk. <laughs> I mean, just look at these two. What
1: do you think the guy in the beards college name was like nickname in the dorms? You know, it was probably like, like shithouse or something awesome, right?
0: He's probably the guy behind the hoagie farts uh, Instagram. Yes. Yeah, so, so, yes. I would agree with that. I would agree. Is that guy no, in in the all left seri- in all seriousness? Thanks to these two for, uh, oh, by the way, I'll say this. We're talking about good seats, bro. Those are six seats for the hockey game. Those are six yeah, seats.
1: Yeah. Uh, Gaff believes the guy on the left looks like a fat version of Jake. Or, or maybe it means the guy on the right. Sorry. <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, he kind of looks like Jake Rosenberg. our, uh, our, uh, fantastic dude, like, documentary.
0: I'm looking at this. I'm like, wow, go, go back, go back real quick. Go back. I'm looking at this dude on the right and I'm like, wow, man, it comes out your mind. I've let himself go. Jesus.
1: Oh, come on. That guy's that guy, I think he's posing for us, Luke. He's like, you know.
0: I know. I like to tease the viewers. I'm just teasing. That's all I'm doing. I'm In all seriousness, thank you guys so much. I thank you so much.
1: Uh, Peter slides in and says, uh, here's three pics from my work trip to NYC. Had an awesome time, but of course I had to spread the word of MK by wearing some of my favorite gear. First is a yeah. selfie at Central Park with my MK beanie. Nicely done. Second is me rocking the tie-dye shirt in front of the Statue of Liberty. And yes, BC, I'm wearing a side bag like a real man. What?
2: Yeah!
0: Wow, a Bro, I got another bag. one of those when I was in Columbia. I got oh, another God. one. It's even, it's I bet even it's better leather. than the last.
1: It's probably leather. Luke, really, like, you think you're ahead of the game, but really it's like just the new fanny pack, right? I mean, that's what it is, Luke.
0: Yes, here's the thing. I can't, this is true. I literally cannot make any more choices because I don't know what's up or down when it comes to being cool. However, however, what I have noticed is some people who appear to be cool are doing it. But more to the point, this guy very fu- it's very functional for a dad. So here's what I would say: go fuck yourself. How about that? yeah,
1: yeah? Welcome to my midlife crisis. That's I'm right with you, Luke. Uh, he also wore this. Uh, yeah, he this guy wore our shirts. He did great. Okay, he had pizza, pizza. There he is, real, real New York City pizza. That guy had Luke. Yeah.
0: I do, oh. I do miss New York pizza. New York pizza is awesome. It is pretty damn awesome.
1: Uh, here's Will, a longtime listener, first-time subber, but I'm a day-one MK fan, literally never missed an episode except for maybe a boxing interview here and there. Uh, here's a pic of me <laughs> at yeah, Bellator. The,
0: nu- the numbers
1: tell us that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Uh, here's a pic of him in Phoenix at Bellator 273. His wife bought him the tickets for their first wedding anniversary last November. Oh, that's God. awesome. That's great. Uh, The shirt came in handy for wiping his tears when Big Tuna took that hard L. Also, couldn't resist going tip to tip on my way out of the arena. (laughs) All right.
0: (laughs) This is the dumbest show on earth.
1: From Will, a fellow mathlete just smart enough to resign before high school. Wow. Look, he just, that's nerd on nerd crime right there.
0: You know what? I'll take, I mean, it's not even dead wrong, but I'll take the L. All
1: right uh ben says uh no this is uh oh apparently this guy sent in a caption that you can't read on the air but Luke, here's us as the island boys
0: dude look at those tattoos i mean what are they gonna do in 10 years Jeez, i don't Christ. know i
1: you know they're, they're would you rather you know burn out or fade away luke they're they're going for the first option
0: the hair you can just shave it and like your money right you can just be fine but those tattoos, bro, and I'm pro-tattoo, and even I'm looking at those being like, wow, man, y'all made a tragic mistake.
1: I'd love to get Mr. reaction of these guys.
0: Even he would be like, yo, those tattoos are kind of fucking busted.
1: Uh, We got Scott sliding in. He says they'll never learn on this meme, Luke.
0: (laughs) 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 I mean... Here's the thing. This is a true story. I got up early today. I've taken three dumps before oh, today's show. Oh, God. I feel like I'm fine. I feel like I'm oh, fine. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah. Luke, that was an unscheduled, you know, I was going to burn my urethra. And, I, you know, I, de- I derailed the conversation. I, I, All I can do is apologize to my people to have a better handle on that. What do we need? MK Depends next on the merch store. Uh, Luke, we close with Jason saying, uh, Jay from Boston, back for the sixth time. I wanted to start by giving a shout-out to LT for the content he dropped while away in Colombia. LT, you truly are an expert in this field, and your analysis of the opening <laughs> segment was riveting.
0: <laughs> bro, I watched Encanto again this morning. Do you oh, understand bro. how much of this movie I could break down just like I, I, I could I do, do that shit.
1: Is that a MK homework uh, project review? Yeah, there you go. Nah. Uh, next, with a tear in my eye, it's finally time that we pay our final respects to the MK curse and lay it to rest with a tombstone he des- this guy designed. It's crazy that the Connor review dropped on 121 21, and Francis officially ended the curse on 122
0: 22. Wow, Whoa, really? Wow. I didn't know that. Is that true? You guys
1: shook up the MK MMA universe for 366 days, and a phenomenon like this will never happen again. 20 years down the road, when MK is still on top, the true day one donks will always remember and reminisce about the curse. And last but certainly not least, there was a clip sent uh, of a woman boxing another woman's backside a few weeks ago. Lt it was Vivi then, Winkler. yeah, Lt then went full predator mode on us. The speed at which you were able to identify the derriere of V.V. Winkler was no different than the predator hunting down green berets in the jungle. Wow! <laughs> oh gosh, that's well done. Uh, you face. know what I have to
0: say, Your Honor guilty <laughs> as
1: charged oh uh, those are your fans so well we got good we got good people out there luke you know what i mean i mean yeah the, the, yeah
0: i noticed all the comments uh i did read the comments in the video where I, my first show back and everyone was like luke was in bbl heaven bbls must have been everywhere this was amazing for him and i'm like true 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 all yeah. true there you go. Uh, all right, well that is it for us today, BC. I want to remind everyone to go to sportspodcastawards.com, give us a vote, be cool about it. I know, you know, you're like I already voted for you guys one time, but the thing is we need more of them. So please do that and if you have, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Showtime is the label that pays us, so go to showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, that's live programming plus everything on the app, which is great. If you like it, keep it. If not, go fuck yourself. Um Morning wow. Combat. Wow, that
1: escalated. That escalated quick. We went from sand to just, you know, yeah. Just eat right. a bag
0: of dicks. Uh all right. <laughs> Morningcombat at gmail.com, of course, is the email. The store, morningcombat.store. Like and subscribe on YouTube, whatever platform you're listening on on podcasts, please give us a nice review as well if you're so inclined. BC, any final thoughts before we head out?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh YouTube.com slash Morning Combat will not only give you the full uh, versions, of course, of the Robert Whitaker and Derek Lewis interviews. Don't sleep on your boy BC chanting with Anthony Pettis. He's not only going to be back for season two uh, of uh, PFL, but he is, uh, of course, going to promote the, the, uh, the uh, what is it called? The Showtime FC first show he's going to have on UFC Fight Pass this weekend. So, uh, Luke, going up and down, talking about this guy's legacy, reliving the bangers he was in, you know, talking about the, Showtime kick and why no one's been able to replicate it. Although Luke, Luke Pettis thinks ready for this? He thinks Zabit is the only active fighter who could pull that off in the middle of a big fight as impactfully. The Showtime kick. What? Because I just so happened the day I interviewed him rewatched Zabit versus uh, 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 the guy, the, the featherweight who's calling Pettis out right now. Jeremy Stevens. And Zabit attempted a showtime kick but it didn't it, the angles really weren't right, right and uh Stevens wasn't in full range it kind of touched him partially and then that day Anthony Pettis was like the only guy who's going to be able to do that in a real high level UFC fight is
0: Zabit one day. So, you yeah. know. Okay. That's a no. Uh, anything else you want to Well,
1: well, look, you can't just shut that down.
0: It, it, it's possible. Do I have to do I have to respect that.
1: All right. Anyway, those interviews are available. Also, I talked to uh, Primetime himself, Chris Colbert, who's going to be uh, headlining a Showtime boxing card uh, coming up in just a couple of weeks. And uh, He's
0: very good. He's very he's, good.
1: He's a great boxer, but also he's a fun, fun interview. So check out all those interviews and bonus clips that we do over there at YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. And to see all that stuff easier, just hit subscribe, you, you, you know, panhandling hanger honors. Like, just hit subscribe already.
0: Don't be a taker. Don't be a taker. Be a giver. And give back. Yes. All right. Uh, For Malka, for CBS Sports, for Showtime, for Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. This has been Morning Combat. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. We'll get you ready for everything. And until then, check out all the interviews, BC indicated, youtube.com slash morning combat. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.